All right. Uh, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, we're really lucky today. Uh, I've been wanting to have this guest on for a while, and we're lucky enough that he actually made time for us today and sit down with him, uh, Mark Cortazzo. Uh, I'm also very fortunate to have have him as a friend. Uh, we've been really close for the last couple of years. He's someone that's definitely guided me through some, some decision-making uh, with the club, with pole vaulting, and just life in general. Uh, it was wonderful to hear the story about how uh, you and Adrian first met and stuff. That was an amazing conversation before. Um, but the reason we're sitting down today... Mark Cortazzo started an organization called USPVA. It's a non-for-profit that is trying to spread the word for pole vault, you know, and help out the pole vault community. Um, why don't you start out? Why don't you go in depth? Like, what, what made you start USPVA? Like, what, what was the inspiration for you? Well, um, the pole vault has had a significant impact on my life, and, you know, we could talk about that in, in, in a little bit, but it really changed the trajectory of, of where I, I was going, and uh, it was for the better. Um, but, you know, I, I've uh, had some of my, my mentors uh, were people that I met through the pole vault. Um, I coach at the high school level. My uh, daughter is jumping at college. Yeah. Uh, I jump at a lot of matches. She just won her conference meet yesterday in a jump off at Johns Hopkins. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, with a new school record to, to win. So it was, awesome. a, it was an exciting day. Yeah. Um, but, but those are the really fun and exciting things that, uh, you know, that make the, the pole vault so special. Yeah. Um, but the community itself is is such a great group of people where you know what other events and sports do you have someone who lends somebody equipment to compete against them right um, you you have coaches helping each other out catching someone's step or you know you know, giving some some pointers or, or tips yeah. uh, sometimes whether you want them or not uh, <laughs> but uh, and everyone always seems to to want to help yeah. and what I found was there wasn't really a centralized place that if people yeah. wanted to have an impact that they could go to, to, to volunteer or to support or to help that, that was a voice for the pole vault community. And so, um, uh, I, as an outsider, you know, this isn't what I do professionally, um, thought about this logically and practically and said, you know, if there was a centralized place, let me, you know, talk to some people and, you know, we could talk about, you know, the, yeah. the initial meeting, um, some coaches, some some elite jumpers, some masters jumpers, uh, and and see where are the pain points and what are some things that that need improvement, and is it realistic that we can improve them? And if it is, you know, let's uh, start doing something about it, and, and yeah. instead of just complaining about the things that are wrong. Yeah, I mean, for me, what was crazy going on that trip to Las Vegas, where a lot of people got together, and I was very fortunate to be there, is how little information is out there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how high you jump. It doesn't matter what part of the country you're in. It's just there. there is a, a lack of information out there, you know, and, you know, we definitely need an advocate, but then also an information source because unfortunately, like in the pole vault, I, even from a collegiate perspective, look, at the division one level, they're allowed to have three full-time paid coaches. So I get it. One of those is probably going to be a distance coach. One of those is going to be a sprint coach, and then you have to decide between jumps, which may or may not include pole vault, or a throws coach. Yeah. And so a lot of times you get a volunteer pole vault coach. Some places they're great. Like Virginia Tech has Bob Phillips, who's a professor on campus and has been coaching there on a volunteer basis for years, and it has a great group. Great but a lot, But a lot of places... It's kind of like you're lucky if you have a coach that year and maybe that guy leaves the next year, a new person comes in and, you know, so there's no steady uh, pole vault coach there. 
And because it's not, I don't know how else to say this, but kind of done on a professional level, you have a lot of gaps. I mean, it's great. Like we had Sandy Morris on the trip and to hear from her, I mean, she was really, really fortunate to be at Arkansas where Brian Compton has been there forever. And he, he's a full-time paid coach, does, does really good stuff there, but that's because that's what he has to do every day, you know? And so to maybe get those types of people like the Brian Comptons of the world to help inform some new coaches, that would be amazing. It's just, we haven't really had that outlet before. So, I mean, again, when you told me, I remember, I, you know, you calling me and telling me about USPVA, I was just, I was really excited because I think it's something that can help take this sport to the next level. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and the, the amount of misinformation and lack yeah. of information is, is amazing. Um, talking to elite jumpers about what they're allowed to do with sponsors. Um, it was, yeah. it was amazing. And when yeah. I talked to People at USATF and and and, and you know some of the organizations right. that oversee and govern this, um, they're what they're allowed to do and what they think they're allowed to do. You know, the Are gap two different was things, the, yeah. you know, as, as wide as the the Grand Canyon, um, and and even simple rules. I was talking to Sandy Morris after she jumped at uh, to at the nationals to make the world team, mm-hmm. and um, there was a there was a discrepancy about a rule that. Mm. Um, she didn't want to jump at a bar, but you know, the, the, you know, the, the interpretation of it at that meet at the national level with one of the top jumpers, there was some gray area and, and it could have affected her ability to get on the team. So, you know, having that and, that, and that's just crazy to me. Like, if you think about that, like something, a little rule thing like that at the na- USA national meet, we're not even talking about college or high, high school. school. Right. You know, it's, this is USA's. This is how we're picking our pro team. Yeah. It's, it's it's not okay. Like we need someone there that that knows what's going on. And I and I think that the the people that are you know making these judgment calls have good intentions, but it, you know we need it to be more clearly defined and more black and white. And it sh- is something that a larger body of people should understand what those rules are. So when there is a gray area, yeah. there's a lot of us that can step up and and, and adv- advocate right. for that because you know if there's a clock going and and you know you've got to make that that argument mm-hmm. or dispute before that. Jump right in in two or three minutes. Yeah. That's it. It's so, it's got to happen quick. So it was. You know, there are a lot of people who said, "What can I do to help?" I love the pole vault, and, and I know people locally who've mm-hmm. had a huge impact. I, I know a, a masters jumper jumps at at a club, and he thinks that they are doing something wonderful, and he jumps there, and their mm-hmm. equipment was kind of falling apart, and he bought them a brand new set of mats. Yeah. So that was a you know tens of thousands of dollar contribution right, right. gift, but it only affected that one club and, and right. that little area. And, and that could have so much more impact if there was some national repository for those type of, of people, for people that want to help that, that the pole vault had an impact right. on their life. And, you know, and the thing that I think about a lot and, you know, cause again, it's that small pond or big pond thinking, you know, a lot of people in their local area may be doing amazing stuff. And what they don't realize is that there's a bigger way to help. Like I think Sean Francis, you know, he's somebody I always looked up to in the pole community that was first really, really outspoken on social media and putting a lot of good information out there that kind of inspired me to be like, okay, Hey, I, I want to put content out as well. And I was even talking to Doug yesterday who coaches vertical assault in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And we were talking about some slide box stuff. And I was like, that's a great idea. I'm like, Doug, I'm telling you right now, if you post that on your Instagram, you're going to get a lot of views, a lot of likes, a lot of comments, because that's a great idea. And and the thing is, we forget sometimes something as simple as like just our warm-up routine, right. which may be mundane, boring to us because we do it all the time, would be something 
completely new to somebody else. Like maybe I'm living in Idaho and I don't, I don't know what, what should I be doing during warmups or what is that idea Doug has for slide box? We'd all like to know. And by maybe doing this USA, USPVA website and social media, we can start to get more people to put content out, which that just raises the game. I, I think what, you know, I'm a competitive person. I want to win. But for me, it's like I want pole vault to win. And it, the yes. way pole vault wins is by raising the, the competition level and everyone gets better, you know? You had two opportunities there to say raise the bar. Right? It's the pole vault, Bronco. <laughs> Come on. They're pitching you underhand. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> but but I, I think exactly what you were saying about the uh, – um, having an impact locally, what I think happens with that is you have people that are trying these things for the first time and they're they're learning from their own mistakes and that learning right. curve is very, very steep where if there was a centralized place, if somebody wants to start up a club, what do I need to do? Here's some right. things. If I want to start up a beach vault or street vault, you know, here's the things yes. and we can get, you know, I, I think that, that most people in this community are willing to share and if it's something that we could get, um, uh, People who want to do something, make it easier for them to do. I, I think that, that that can really move the needle. Well, right. And you bring up a good point too. Like just starting a club or hosting an event, a lot of people want to do that, but they're maybe not sure of how to go about that and how to make it economically feasible. Right. If we and, – and I know we talked about this in, in Las Vegas, but it's like if we kind of have a manual – or some information out there that it makes it easier, that it cuts out some some of the thinking of and logistics of putting on an event or starting yeah. a club. That that's tremendous too, because I think some people start out. I mean, I I can probably list off a bunch of people that started out maybe trying to do a club or trying to have an event, and they've disappeared since because they never figured out how to make it in a way that it made sense for them and it was a good activity or a good a good function for for everybody taking part. It, it's a recipe. You know, yeah. you want to do something and you can, you can always tweak those recipes that you want to make it something a little bit spicier. You want to make it, you know, you know right. a little bit sweeter. Great. But, but here's the core foundation for that. And, yeah. and that can really get, get the ball moving. And, and, you know, the, uh, financials on this, you know, is something that a lot of people don't focus on. And, and right. one of the things that we are really hoping to, to accomplish with USBVA is, is reach out to some national sponsors and, and, and get some funding to some of these street vaults and beach vaults. Um, if we get enough funding, maybe help uh, if some, somebody wants to go to a club and they can't afford it themselves, having yeah. some, some, some like scholarship, a scholarship program. program. Yeah. Because I know a lot of the club coaches, you included, mm -hmm. um, have kids that, maybe can't afford to, to get there and, and, you know, you subsidize that or you do that pro bono. Maybe they help you out with a thing or two here or there, yeah. but, but it, it's really something that you're absorbing all of that cost. And, and there, there can be a, you know, but that's costing you a spot, you know, at the club and not everyone has the ability to be able to absorb all of that. So you know, right, it, right. it's having some resources to, you know, as I've said over and over when I'm explaining to people, the mission is we're not trying to do anything. We're trying to coordinate things and we're trying to pour gas on fires that are already burning. So right. we've got a street vault and beach vault. If we can help promote it, help get better, more elite athletes there, get a little bit more prize money. We're not trying to set up a, a, a pole vault. Uh, um, it's uh, not a pole vault club itself or right. anything like that. It, it, You're trying to help all those clubs it, and organizations We're not out trying there. to set up a club. We're not trying to set up a pole vault series. That's a USPVA series. We want to have things that are, you know, endorsed by us or sponsored by, co-sponsored by right, us. Right. But it's, it's that local club. They know their community better. They've been doing that event. And if we could just 
bring some things together right. to make it, uh, you know, to, to help improve it. And, and I, the other thing is to try to find sponsors outside of track and field. Right. You know, if we go to a sneaker manufacturer or a pole manufacturer and we say, hey, we want money for this initiative, it's probably going to come at the expense of some other initiative they were doing within track and field or within the pole vault community. And, and right. we, we may just be a better use of those funds. We're looking at going outside of that to companies, you know, like maybe a Monster Energy or a Target or a GNC to say, hey, this is a great community of loyal people. Would you yeah. like to be part of that and and have new money show up? Right. You know, and, and it, it's not us all fighting over this same little piece of pie, this same pie, and everyone's trying to get a little bit bigger piece. Yeah. We're trying to grow the pie, and and it's beneficial to everybody. Well, you know what's interesting, too? Like, you you saying, like, growing the pie, you know? I used to have this thought. You know, I, I kind of wrote down some numbers one day, and I was like, look, I think I'm at max capacity for my area, right? Because I counted up the number of high schools, and I was like, if every high school had, on average, three vaulters, there's this many vaulters in the area, and... I'm at about 20% of the vaulters in the area. And I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, can you, can you get a little bit more than 20, 25% of the area? Maybe, but we also have a lot of clubs in our area. The other thing that I was thinking was like, well, you know, that's it. Like, I don't think that this can grow. But then the last couple of years, I've really changed my mindset because the thing that I, I think a lot of people don't realize, like the better job you do at your club you know, and the better job we do as a community to promote our sport, we can grow our sport, you know, and that's what I'm seeing even in my area. Those schools that maybe did only have one or two vaulters, now they have three, four vaulters, you know, and the schools that had three or four vaulters, they're going to five to seven vaulters. And I mean, I have kids that can't even compete at their high school, but they're coming in because they love the sport. And they want to participate. And that's why even like, you know, again, going to um, competitions, we, you know, one, one idea I want out there is we need to throw more competitions or have more competitions through the club kind of scene yeah. because there's a lot of kids that aren't going to get to jump at their state meet. And the big thing that I always try to promote, I know there's a lot of coaches out there that are like, don't coach a pole vaulter unless he's a, he or she is a good athlete and they're going to jump high. And sure, if your only goal is to go to the Olympics – Sure, if your only goal is to break a world record, that's right. But if we're going to have a sport that's successful, we need to coach everyone. Yeah. If anybody wants to jump, you need to help them because that's how we have more people involved in the sport and essentially more fans. Because maybe that that guy that can only jump 10, 11 feet, he's going to love pole vault so much that he's going to – you know pay to watch a world championship meet, you know, and that, that level of athlete. So we need all those people because they're, they're just as passionate as those people at the top. I completely agree. Think about golf. Yeah. Think about what percentage of golfers don't break a hundred ever in their life. Right. It's right. It's extremely high, well over 50, probably close to 70% that, that have never broken a hundred yet. They go out, they play, they enjoy it with their friends. It keeps them fit. Right. And and when there's you know, golf activities or, or shows on they're fans because they can appreciate somebody shooting a 70. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you guys had uh, some golf on just now when we were eating lunch and, and Adrian, your wife was just commenting on the way the one athlete was able to turn her shoulders better, yeah. you know? And it was like, you know, that's the fascinating thing. The more people we have involved in the sport, they'll be able to pick up on the nuanced things with pole vault. I mean, right now we have broadcasters that essentially all they tell us are like, oh, 
up and over the bar. Right. You oh, know, she hit that. I'm yeah, it's down. like, yeah, I, that's clear. Right. But, it, you know, when you become a bigger fan, you could see nuanced things like, oh, wow, they really had a nice tall run or they jumped up at takeoff. The plant was on time. You know, there's more involved there. And that's how the sport becomes even more interesting. Absolutely. You, know? you, you know, you talk all the time about, uh, you know, the numbers because you right. know, I know that you, you're, you really are a student of, of the sport. And, um, you know, the, the thing that would be really cool, people post Instagram pictures and, right. and, and videos of their jump, right. right? I don't know what that kid was gripping, what he was running right. from, what pole he was on. So if we had like a, a standardized, you know, one of the things we're talking about in, in our board meeting was yeah. if we had a standardized protocol where you post this and you put, you know, plus 20, the pole is 20 pounds over your weight, your right. grip was 12 feet on a 13 foot pole and mm -hmm. the bar was at X. So now I know you're, you're jumping on a pole that's a meaningful amount over your weight. So when I see the pop, I go, oh, the kid was 150 that's why, and, yeah. and it was 170 pole. That explains that. And, and he was holding this and jumping out. He had, you know, X amount of push. I right. can learn a lot more from that with just a simple tag on yeah. that jump. And so it would be something simple to standardize. And now, right. now people who just want to watch the video, cool. The people who yeah. want to learn from that right. video, they have that's, more information. That's cool too. And, but there's just not a, you know, there's not a centralized place to, to come up with a standard for that. And so, you know, I used to teach English. Yes. You know what I feel this is like? I feel like uh pole vault on social media and a lot of people who are involved in pole vault are like that freshman high school kid that is learning how to write an essay for the first time. You know, you tell that freshman kid in high school, like, hey, we're going to do a three-page paper. And they look at you like you're insane. They're like, I don't know how I'm going to write more than one paragraph, right? Because right? they're like, uh, the story was good. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that's what they want to tell you. And yeah, that was a good jump. That's fine. Let's go a little bit deeper. Right. Let's, let's, let's find out what, what made it a good jump. Where did you run from? What mid-mark did you hit? And like you said, the uh, the differential between body weight and stiffness of the pole. Right. Where did you grip? You know, the, these are all little, little things that tell way more of a story yeah. into the jump. And I'll tell you what, it's going to make competition better. Yes. And I noticed like, because in the last year, I've been pushing for that, like the numbers and for people to post numbers. And I, and you've been posting, which has been great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 every once in a while I forget, especially busy time of the year. Um, but I try to always post like grips, poles and you know, where the kid ran from and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's funny, like Trey Oates, I had him on the podcast this summer and, and Trey every once in a while is like at apex vaulting, like this was my grip, this was my pole, you know, and it's really nice. And what people don't realize that's going to take it to the next level. Yeah. Cause maybe there's, there's a kid out there who all of a sudden looks at Trey's video and goes, wait a second, I'm only like five pounds softer on my pole and I'm only gripping a hand down and Trey jumps 18.6. And you know what I mean? That might it, motivate it, it, it the kids. It, it makes it more tangible. Right, right. And and even even for someone who's not on that level, you know, it's like you get to see now. It's like, okay, well, if I want to jump certain bars, I got to be able to grip certain grips. I got to be able to get on certain poles. And, oh, my God, he ran from where? My seven is like 15 feet in. How did he do? You know, right. and so we could start to break out more information. And that raises the competition level, which I think is amazing. And, and again, going back to USPVA, that's something that USPVA can help out with by, by having that central location on, on the website and social media to have all this information out there. It's, it's really, really, you know, great. Yeah. You know? I mean, right now, 
the key is we want to try to have an impact in the first 12 months. And, mm-hmm. you know, the resources have been very, very limited. Um, you know, there's been a handful of people that have been contributing most of the uh, financial resources. You know, we haven't really pushed membership, um, yeah. which, which, you know, we want to kind of, we want to show an impact before we, we go that right. route. Right. Um, but uh, it is something that all of those type of things, you know, we can get a group of half a dozen people, assign them that task, and, and they can run with that, come up with a protocol, have a, a, right. a, a tab on the website, and and now it's something that you, you do once. Yeah. There's a little bit of front-end work, and then maintenance on it's it's pretty easy. But think about professional sports. You yeah. know you've got fantasy football leagues on every single stat of that of yeah. those players, and so you mm-hmm. know – you know, what they ran and interceptions and, and touchdowns thrown and, and right. every single data point. And it, it makes you more engaged in that. It's right. not, oh, clear to bar. Oh, who won the game? And then, you know, you you, you don't watch. Right. You don't just turn on the 11 o'clock news, see who won the game and shut it off. You know. Right. You don't want to just know the winners and losers. You right. want to know, like, hey, who's that guy that, that's good at making contact and can steal some bases? Who's the home run hitter? You know, there, there's so, so much more information out there. And I remember one time having a conversation with Lane Moore, who uh, coaches Povel out at Wash U, and he was an 18-8 guy, went to Olympic trials. And he was telling me a story. I was like, you know, Lane, you, you know, you jumped against Sergey Bubka. Like, what was that like? Yeah. And he goes, well, Bronco, he goes, let me tell you. He goes, sometimes I'd go to the meet and I'd see a real technical vaulter, guy who could really push off his grip. And I'd be like, you know what? Not a problem. Just grip a little higher today and smush him. Then he goes, then some meets I go out there and I'm like, wow, that guy's gripping way high. I'm going to have to be really efficient today and try to hook up. And then I'd go against Bubka and be like, he's good at both. I'm just, you know, the second's good. <laughs> you know, so it's so funny. That's but awesome. but that's like, you know, Lane, that's why Lane's a great coach too. Yes. I mean, he's such a student of the sport. Well, and yeah, and let, he's into all those little numbers, you know, and he, he was observant of that, you know. Well, Lane Lore is a great coach. As a matter of fact, uh, his freshman girl won the conference yesterday. Oh, uh, wow. Julia Dannenbaum. What did she do? Uh, I think about 12-4. And uh, nice. I only know this because I used to coach uh, Julia. So last last uh, yes. yesterday, two of the girls I previously coached won their conference championship. Which yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so Sophia, your daughter, and yes. Julia were teammates, you know, same high school. So I, you've had like some amazing pair of girls over the last, uh, you know, bunch of years. I mean, Pingree High School in New Jersey has done really, really well. And I... You, you always know they're doing well because Mark lets the whole stadium know. <laughs> Absolutely. Now listen, I, I volunteer my time, so they, my, my payment is joy. And, and by the way, when I started there a few years ago, uh, the school record was eight feet for the girls. Yeah, uh, isn't it crazy? Yeah, so now it's 12-6. So. Yeah, I, th- that's an amazing thing too is – you know, how many schools out there at the high school level, still, their school records for boys might be 12. Their school records for girls might be like eight, nine feet, you know. And so it's like there's so much opportunity out there to help this sport grow even at the high school level, yep. you know. I, I mean, sure, there are pockets here and there that are super, super competitive. But I, we hear stories all the time about a high school state meet was one with nine feet and 13 feet. You know, it's like, oh, my, I can't imagine. I so, On a day like today, I wish I was in those states. You know, I would have won a state title today. So, you know, that that's the amazing thing is just being able to see the sport grow in those areas too, not just our little pockets that are popular. Yeah, to 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 jump back to you know the some of the the things that 
how do we make those changes? Yeah. You know, and so, so the, the first 12 months, the, the main thing that USPVA is trying to focus on is, is help grow clubs. Um, you know, we, uh, set up a map of the United States and mm-hmm. it's got a push pin for every single club in America and yeah. you click on it. And it opens up, and there's the club's name and it, contact info. There's a link to their website if they have how, it. How many clubs did you guys over, find over so 200 far? so far? Wow, um, that's awesome. It's got a link to their website, and then there's a one button you push. It opens up Google Maps, and it gives you directions from where you're sitting yeah. to, to get to the club, so you know exactly how far away it is. Um, you know, helping some of the elites. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to some of the jumpers who are number three, number four, number five in the country, and what they make you know, is probably below minimum wage if you figure yeah. out how much time they're putting into this sport. And right. so so trying to get some, some national sponsors and, and getting a little bit more prize money at some of these beach vaults and street yeah. vaults yeah. Um, to, to be able to, uh, um, you know, have them win a competition, not give them a handout. Right. Give them a hand up. So, hey, this prize pool was only two grand last year. It's going to be thirty five hundred this year. And yeah. if we get thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars more prize pool money because we get some national sponsors, now it helps them actually right. make a living or get by doing what they love, not loading boxes. I was I was talking to Mark Hollis, and you know he was on uh, Craigslist looking for jobs when he was a nineteen foot yeah. jumper. You know, loading boxes and and doing you know, very manual labor just yeah. just to keep doing what he loved. And and that's you know wonderful that he's got that passion. It's just a shame that that's what you have to do in order to get by. And well, it, and and the the third area is is really. Um, Helping the helping the high schools because a lot of times it's just they don't have a uh, they don't have a coach that knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and so we have you know we can provide them access to a, a certification and training program that'll get them yeah. the basics um, and we've had a, a number of high school coaches and club coaches who've said hey if somebody wants to you know uh, roll this out in their school we'll help them. And, yeah. and whether it's, you know, kind of like a big brother, big sister or mentor them right. um, where, you know, they're, they've got, uh, what do I do with this? I'm working. I need some drills to help the kids do that. Yeah. And they can buddy up and people love that. They love being, you know, helping uh, grow the community. So those that the first 12 months, we want to help promote the clubs because they're having a big impact, help the elites, because the more success they have and the higher profile they get, you know, there's some great jumpers that. High school kids don't even know who they are. We want right. to improve that profile right. because that will allow them to be able to to get more money from sponsors or or continue doing what they're doing. And and at the high school level, we need to get a bigger base. So it, it really is a pyramid from the elites to the clubs to the high school on the number of people that we're having an impact on and the magnitude of, of right, impact right. that we can have. Yeah, I mean, I think also you know a couple things that that you said that kind of make me think the elite vaulters when i hear that kids don't know some of the elite vaulters and i mentioned this in akron you know i stood up and and at the end of like the elite talk i was like look part of our jobs as pole vault coaches like yes you got to teach a kid how to jump up and you got to teach a kid how to plant the pole and all that stuff but to educate the kids about the sport yeah. i mean at my at, like i said at my club that day at akron i was like at my club the kids roll their eyes because they're like, oh, the Sergei Bubka spiel is going to start, you know? Because, like, to me, it's like if you don't know who Sergei Bubka is, that's a problem, right. you know? Most of my kids also have heard the stories about Cornelius Warmerdam, and, yeah. you know, and then I talk about the current vaulters. Like, after, uh, you know, a USA meet happens, 
I, I, that whole week, all the kids are hearing the breakdown, my breakdown of the meet, because it's like, I want them to be interested in those athletes and interested in our sport now, because those are role models for them. Absolutely. And, and, if, and even the different styles of jump, you know, you yeah. look at somebody like Sean Barber, who's, who has a real, he's able to grip monster heights. Right. They, they made 18 foot poles for this kid to jump right. on. God. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's got a plant that's very different. Right. And, and and I think his plant is very efficient, which allows him to to yeah. hold as high as he is. Now the top of his jump's not that efficient. And you look at somebody like Sam Kendricks, who's it's complete opposite. Complete opposite, yeah. who has a much lower grip, um, gets upside down really quickly, doesn't stay down, 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 um, but is able to pop off the top of the pole. So if you're somebody that, you know, one of those two is a greater strength. You're you're big, strong, fast kid, and, and maybe you can hold higher. And, yeah. and you can learn from that elite athlete. Both right. six meter jumpers, they couldn't have gotten to that point any different, right? With style and technique and and what their their core well, attributes and, are. And it was funny because in the last podcast I did, we did a recap of the USA's. With, uh, I had Joe Oliveri on, yeah. and I was like, "Those are your schools of thought." Yep. Right. And, and I mean, certainly I have my opinion, but what's interesting is that we have this conversation because that kind of goes into my next thought, like on the high school level, like, you know, spreading it out, um, to be quite honest, I feel like when I initially started coaching club, I got a lot of kids coming to me that were from high schools that didn't traditionally have the vault. Right. And you could feel the pushback sometimes from the schools that already had established vault programs yeah. and people would get upset. And I get it. You know, I really do. I'm, I'm a super competitive guy. I, if you don't know, Mark is super, super competitive, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, he, he, was, uh, he was making friendly bets with uh, one of my high school vaulters who would jump higher at this meet. It was hysterical and they were going at it. So, you know, we both love competition and I hate losing. But to me, whatever's better for the greater good is always number one for me. And I think, you know, I, I get like, if you used to run your area, you know, it's like you'd win all the time and sometimes easily, you know, the thing is you can't get upset by getting beat by someone who's just got a better athlete. You know, like I, I'm at, I'm very much at that point in my life. Like, obviously I believe in my athletes and I want them to jump higher, but Hey, if we did our best today and, we crossed our T's, dot our I's, and we still came up a little short because we were just going against someone that was better than us. It happens. That's life. But the thing is, I never want to see the sport stop growing because right. for me, that's better for all of us. You know, there would be nothing um, to make me happier than, let's say, you know, five, ten years from now, USPVA is accomplishing all its goals, and to see, you know, maybe you. Or someone else from USPVA on Sports Center talking about the upcoming USAs and who's going to win. Yeah. I mean, I I probably cry the first time it happens. Yeah. You know that that's what I want for our sport. So we have to kind of like you know I know we don't like losing, but we have to be open to to teaching others and helping others. I mean, I I've never passed up the opportunity of lending a pole to someone. Right. To me, it's like if you're going to beat my kid because I lent you a pole. Well, bat on my kid because you have the polls all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I I completely agree. And you know what happens with this is you have so many, so much energy lost to people within our community fighting little battles, right? That we're losing the big war, right? And the big war is 
growing your sport. I, you know, I can disagree with you fundamentally and philosophically, but still respect you because you're getting results. And right. I just have a different religion. I have, <laughs> I have friends who have very varied religions and we get along great. You yeah. Know, as long as there's beer, we, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're good. All good. <laughs> um, you know, that's universal language, uh, yeah. beer. But so what happens is somebody will dig their heels in and, and they'll undermine that other person and they'll undermine them back. And they're spending all of this energy because they don't have a fundamental and philosophical agreement with what they're doing, but that's not what's most important. If they're jumping safe, and, right. and, you know, they, they just have a different philosophy on what to focus on. I focus on the plan. I focus on the swing. I, you know, whatever your, yeah. your, your core strength yeah. is in the jump, but it's, it's one of those things that I wish, you know, you've got people do Super Bowl parties. Right. I wish that you would have clubs and, and high school coaches and mile split promote having a, a viewing, party, a viewing, a viewing party, party yeah. where, you know, you got people, you're bringing friends over and you get 20 people and you get some pizzas and you hang out and yeah. you watch yeah, the yeah. best track and field people in the world. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. Cause that, that's where it needs to go. You know, that's where it needs to go. And I think sometimes it's funny cause I'll use an example. Like, you know, I coach at Rampo college. We're in the NJAC. That's our conference. And Stockton is in our conference. And, you know, I, I was just talking about him earlier today. Todd Curl coaches the pole vault at Stockton and we coach a little differently, you know, and actually one of my, one of my club guys is looking at Stockton. I'm like, you're breaking my heart. I wish you would come to Rampo. But I was like, of the schools you mentioned, Stockton's my number one for you. I want you to go there. Cause even though maybe me and Todd have a little different in, in philosophy, technically what I love about Todd and what I love about so many coaches out there is their passion for the sport. Yeah. Todd is super passionate. He cares about his kids, you know, and, and he's invested, you know? And so to me, it's like before technique, before anything else, that's the most important. And I was actually sitting down with a former athlete of mine on Friday night and I was talking and he's funny. He's going through a little bit of a, a search for philosophy or religion now, I guess you could say. And he wants to be a strength and conditioning coach. And I said, you know, you're jumping around from this method to that method and this coach and that coach and you're trying to find the magic bullet. Right. I go, but let me tell you something. I could give you the fanciest facility, the best equipment and the scientifically, let's say we could discover this scientifically, the perfect training modality without the passion, without the emotion, without the drive, nothing. You'll get no results. Right. You could give someone one piece of equipment, just a single barbell and be like, you know what? You can only have your kids deadlift, but if you're passionate, those kids will produce amazing results. And, and it's funny, you know, I always tell people like, um, I don't know how many of our listeners know anything about whiskey. Uh, my brother incorrectly thinks that Johnny Walker gold is the best whiskey. It's from a single barrel, but what's the best one, Mark? I would have to go with McCallum. Okay, but but it's it's a blend, right? Uh, McCallum's not a blend, but Johnny Walker Blue is. Oh, Johnny! Oh, of the Johnny Walkers, right, Johnny right. Walker Blue is their their best, and it's a blend. And it's a blend. Yeah. And what I what I explained to people recently is like that's the thing, that's the best one because it's a blend. They took the best of this barrel, the yeah. best of that barrel, and they mixed it together. And I I see myself as a blend. Yeah. I've learned from so many different people, oh, me too. and from you and Coach Alberardi from Heights Unlimited. I took that passion part, yeah. you know, because that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, you're always fired up, you know, always fired up. 
And I know there was a point in my coaching career where I was so much by the numbers, so sciencey, but kind of a little bit laid back, you know, because I was just like trying to be like very unemotional and right. just make the sciencey kind of decisions. And I was just like, I saw you, you know, I saw Al and this is actually after Al passed away, but I just kept seeing you at the meets and I'm like, man, I got to get more fired up, you know? And so that, that's the thing. I mean, you have to have that emotion, you know, that's, that's the most important part. So if we could almost set aside some of our technical differences that we want to like hold on to so tightly, look, if you're into the sport, you love the sport, you're passionate, man, that's, that's what matters to me. Yeah. I, I, I've seen kids do things that, you know, if I put to pencil to pad, how tall they are, how fast they are, what they weighed, and and whether or not they should be able to get on this pole or clear that right. bar, yeah. um, you know, there'd be a little skull and crossbone at the end of the equation. Yeah. Like, do not try this. Yeah, it don't. will end badly. Right. And, you know, passion and belief are incredibly powerful. Listen, I, I, I grew up at one point living in a trailer, you know, in single parent household and you know, didn't have a lot of options. So yeah. I'd borrow poles, how to make stuff work, the gaps in, in the poles and equipment I had, yeah. you know, you could have driven a truck through and you either, you know, went up 15 pounds in pole or, or you know, and so I had to, you know, figure it out, figure yeah. it out and, and amp it up because that was my option, you know, right. fail or, you know, and, and failing at the pole vault, not going to college, you know, the, my plan well, B was, well, was bad. Well, t- tell us a little bit about that. So uh, I assume, uh, you know, you started vaulting in high school. Correct. How'd, how'd, how'd you get involved? Like, why'd you start pole vaulting? So, um, uh, guy who I idolized, uh, lived across the street from me, uh, you know, was fast and strong and, uh, he brought a pole home from, from, uh, uh, the high school. I was still in junior high and he was practicing and mm-hmm. it was just the coolest thing in the world to me. And so, uh, I, uh, you know, said, I want to, I want to try that. And, right. Um, you know, I was fast, uh, um, you know, at, uh, my, he's, he's still fast by the way. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, I ran 11, 200, you know, in high school, which was pretty quick. Um, you know, I'm short, I'm only about, uh, I say five, seven, but I'm probably not quite that high, quite that tall. <laughs> um, but my freshman year of uh, college, I bench pressed twice my body weight. So, you know, good wow. strength for my, for my size and, yeah. and speed. And, uh, and it was fun and cool. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's an exciting thing. And, you know, it, it, so the, the pole vault, I won the state championship. And it got me a scholarship to school. Probably was the difference between me being able to afford to go to school and not. Um, I went to a D1 school. I won my conference championship. Um, uh, you know, and that was something that really, uh, um, made me feel like I had some, some pretty meaningful value. Uh, you know, and, um, and then, you know, 30 years later, uh, I won, finally won the nationals in my age group at the USATF. Uh, so I'm a state. Conference and uh, national champion uh, in the vault, and, and you know my daughter winning the, the conference championship this weekend just brought me so much joy. Yeah, you know, some of the people who've you know really had a meaningful impact of, in my life, and people who've personally sacrificed a lot mm-hmm. um, to help me and to yeah. help others in the pole vault. It, you know, it, it's an amazing thing, and it was you know my driver for setting up USPVA was um, there are so many people who've given so much. Um, I wanted to give some back and, and help impact and, and have a place where someone says, Hey, I want to help. Where do I go? You want to help build somebody a house? You go to Habitat for Humanity. You want right. to help the, you know, somebody cure cancer. You, you give the American Cancer Society. You want to help the pole vault. What do you do? Right. Yeah. You, you don't really have a place to turn. And so, you know, I, I know that there's people, there are people that want to volunteer their time and give their money to something that they love and they have a passion about. And, and, you know, 
that that was you know what what drove me to to set this up. And and it's it's interesting you know you kind of going through your career briefly and talking about winning the conference title you know yeah. as a pole vaulter and you know I think about that all the time like you said you know kind of made you feel successful. Yeah. How many times you know the pole vault event you know and regardless of world records and Olympics and all that stuff the pole vault is maybe that first place that one a kid gets attention and feels some success Yeah. where maybe everywhere else, maybe in the classroom, other events, other sports, your last pick, no, no girls asking you on a date, no boys asking you on a date. You know, it's like, and it's like there you get some success, yeah. you know, and it gives you that confidence to push through and be successful with the rest of your life. Yeah. I, you know, the thing that's really interesting about the pole vault is um, 90 plus percent of the time, you end your day on a failure. And, yeah. you know, I, I work in financial services. I, I run an investment management firm. And, you know, when I started back in the 80s, uh, you know, you'd cold call. And you'd call people and, you know, try to talk to them about buying bonds and investing their money. And, you know, 90% of those calls would be somebody hanging up the phone or not answering or rejecting yeah. you. Um, I knew how to deal with rejection. It was, you know, <laughs> it was uh, I knew how to deal, I knew, I knew how to deal with failure because, right. you know, I, last thing, I, I won the meet. And I'd still jump three more times and, and with a yes, failure. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you, it gives you perspective on, on what's success and what's winning. And, you know, you said you, you, you're competing against a better athlete and, you know, your kid takes second. Well, you know, they PR, they jump, you know, they get on a bigger pole. Right. There's always wins. There's always successes in, in any given day that you can draw from that. Right. And there's failures that you have to deal with in any given day as well. And you learn from those failures. I, I think that that really builds character and it, it is a unique thing that, that, you know, is the pole vault. You are part of a team. You're competing against other athletes and you're competing against a, an absolute. You're competing right. against a bar. And so yeah. you can t come in fifth and double PR. It's a great day. You know, and so, right. so it's not just win or lose. It's, it right. is all of these other things. And so, um, if you're looking for good in it, you can find good in it. Um, and if you're looking for a bad, you know, there's plenty of that there too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, heck, I mean, probably both of us have seen athletes who, to us, looked like they had a great day, one, yeah. maybe even PR'd, and they're walking away from the meet miserable. Yeah. You know? So I, I think it definitely is that humbling sport where you have to learn to kind of deal with reality, too. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of other uh, realms of society today, especially for kids going through high school and college, where, you know, we might, we might get a little bit spoiled or we might get a little bit sheltered. But in the pole vault, it's like you either cleared that bar or you didn't. Yeah. There's not, nothing else. It doesn't matter how beautiful your mom tells you you are. You either made it or you didn't. And that, that's it. And you're going to get somebody who has terrible technique and hit the bar and it bounced up <laughs> foot and it came back down on the pins and they beat you on that jump. Yeah. And you know what? That's life. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the better person doesn't win. And right? sometimes somebody gets lucky sure. and they beat you. And so, you know, it is, it is its own, this little microcosm of life. And, and yeah. it is, if you, you can harness that to really, uh, be very, very successful. Yeah. And to prepare you for life's obstacles, yeah. you know, uh, things that you don't have control over. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think really like we're saying, I mean, it's an amazing sport. And I, for me, you know, USPVA represents, some way that the rest of the world can find out about how wonderful this sport is. Absolutely. Because it's, it's definitely an interesting sport that, you know, look, 
not everyone's going to play football. <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to play basketball. Right. Um, me and you, especially, we're not playing basketball. <laughs> not playing basketball. But, you know, it, it, the pole vault is an interesting event that, you know, to me, even if you're not going to jump super high, it's super fun. Yeah. I mean, my story, I don't know how many people know or not. Like, I only jumped 10-6 in high school. Right. You know, I was at one of those high schools. We, we took the mats in and out every day. Yeah. We had an asphalt runway so you couldn't wear spikes. Right. And, you know, I didn't have a coach. Right. But even at 10-6, to me, I was super excited. I mean, that was a blast. You're flying through the air. At 10-6, you feel that. Yeah. I don't know. I can't even imagine what 20 feet is. No. And then since I started my club, you know, I mean, I don't jump too much, but I, I was able to jump 14 feet. And yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's even better for me. I mean, I didn't break any records or anything like that, but it's, it's a fun sport at any level that you're at, you know, and you learn all those lessons along the way. It's really cool too. You can go to, you know, event like Reno and, you know, you're, you're a master jumper and, and, you know, you're on the runway or you're, you're down in the, in the pits with a world record holder and, yeah. you know, and, and they'll talk to you just, you know, so you're talking about playing football. First of all, you're not going to get out on the field at you know, right. Giant stadium yeah. and, and, you know, there, if you do, the quarterback's not going to spend a half an hour talking with you about, you know, your football game and, and, you know, the, even the elites, and right. especially this point in, in, in the pole vault in the United States, you know, the, the people who are up there, you know, that are, are the top yeah. really are passionate, really care. They're good people. Um, you know, it really is a, they're wonderful role models. You want to have a, a, you know, somebody who's overcome, uh, adversity or, you know, strong, powerful women, which is, you know, big driver right. today. You yeah. Know, you you want to look up to a powerful woman? Well, I got a pole vaulter 16 feet in the air. You have to look up to her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, it is, it, it's, it's very, very great. I mean, especially, I always think about it on, on the women's side, it, you know, it is empowering. Yeah. It's, it's so empowering, you know, I, that, come on, there's, there's guys that play football that would be shitting their pants if they tried pole vaulting, yes. you know? And so it, it is an amazing skill to, to develop and have, you know, and just like, you know, we were talking with your wife, Adrian, about, you know, a golf swing and how long that takes to master. Yeah. And it's kind of a never ending journey. Pole vault is very similar. Yeah. You know, you're never perfect. You're chasing perfect. Absolutely. But you're never perfect. And, you know, what I always think about too with the club scene and like, you know, one of the initiatives to kind of grow the club scene, clubs are a great community. Absolutely. You know, when you're part of a club, like, you know, I heard someone on another podcast talk about like kind of boxing gyms. Right. A pole vaulting club is too, like one of those places where it doesn't matter where you come from, rich, poor, right. white, black, male, female, you come in there, you work your tail off, you're going to, you're going to earn some respect and you're going to be treated with respect. You don't work hard. You're going to find out real quick, yeah. real quick. And that, that's the other thing, you know, that's, that's the great thing because sometimes we need those reality checks. You need somebody to hold you accountable. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm almost 50 years old and I'm, I'm still jumping. I'm only able to jump because there's clubs. You yeah. Know, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, be able to set up a, a you know, facility in my own house and, and I right. can't jump at, at different high schools and colleges because of, you know, uh, liability issues. And, yeah. and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to still jump. And, you know, I was, I was at nationals, uh, you know, when I won, uh, the guy, uh, who was jumping before me, 73 years old, jumped 10 feet, three inches, yeah. three inches over the top of a, a basketball ring right. at 73 years old, yeah. broke the, the world record for over 70. Right. And you know what? He was, 
Well, I don't know what happened. He stepped on that runway. He was about 30 years old. He booked down the runway, yeah. cleared the bar. He looked like a 73-year-old getting off the mat. But but when, yeah, when, when he when ended up sticking yeah. his hand on the way down the runway, it was, you know, it was the fountain of youth. And it was, yeah. it was really an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Um, so. That's awesome. And, you know, I guess that being said, really the real reason Mark is doing the podcast is he's nice. noticed that people have been very successful after the podcast yeah, you, and you have your national meet coming up. It, I, that is true. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, you interviewed Katie, she won nationals. You've interviewed Scott and uh, yeah, he, he won, won nationals. nationals. So I got uh, three weeks. I said, well, what, what could I do doing training? I can go work out or I could do a podcast with Marco. <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people work out that don't win nationals, you know, high correlation between doing the podcast and, and winning nationals. So. Yeah. So, so any professionals out there too looking for a boost? Just... I think you should charge for that. It should be like five thousand dollars to be on the podcast <laughs> if it's if it's a month or two before nationals because they've done all they can and the, and the, the differentiating factor is going to be whether or not you interviewed them. Yeah. Well, look. Thank you for doing this podcast. It's, it's been awesome. And I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Um, but most of all, you know, well, not most of all, I'll say another big thank you is, you know, starting out, starting up USPVA. Yeah. It, it's such a great idea. And I think it's really going to help take the sports to the next level. But most of all, thank you for being a great friend. Well, I, I'm, I'm very, very uh, humbled to be your friend and happy to be your friend, uh, you know, being around people who have passion for whatever it is that they do. It's infectious. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get down and, you know, you hang around those people and, and, uh, you know, it, it recharges you. So, uh, yeah. uh it's a mutually beneficial relationship and yeah. I'm really glad that, uh, you know, the pole vault has uh, brought somebody else special into my life. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Mark. Right. We'll see you next time guys.